just wonder. Um, I'd like us to just do something. Uh, I know you appreciate you sat down. If you're a visitor, you can just stay sat down, or if you're a guest. If you were currently sat in the same place, or if it's not the exact chair, the next chair, as you were last week, would you stand up? Would you stand up if you're in that kind of samey, samey feel, samey place that you usually, if you haven't been for a while, if you usually kind of sit there, would you just do that? So there's a few of you that are in different places. That's good. Cam, Camille, where do you usually sit? Did you hear that? Six seats, because there's a big clamp. I'd just like you to go and move somewhere else. You understand why? Just find another seat, just a different area, get a different perspective, a different view. Just get up, if you're able to, and just move somewhere else. You can take your friends with you as well. Come on the front row. Come on the front row. Come and sit so that she's not on her own. Joan, can you manage to move without... Yeah, come on the front row. Be a front row person. Just find a different location. It's because James 1, 2 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And, and my friend and fellow elder, Mike Rothwell, came last week and he just said, some of us have habits and, and rituals and traditions that we, we often uh, follow and they're good and they can be fine and they can be a blessing and, and encouragement. Now, now, Andy and Jane, and Jean, if you could, I hate talking to an empty front row. Would you just come and sit here? Because I'd like some of my friends nearby, if that's possible. And that's great. It's much better. It's much better doing that. But Mike encouraged us that, that although traditions and, and routines that we do are good, sometimes we need to get a different perspective. Just feel the room from a different place. You'll feel my nervousness. But you laughed, so that's okay. I feel better now. So you're going to understand that the encouragement, John, that you can give to somebody who stands in this space and, and how silence and straight faces is never really helpful. Or dull faces, scowling faces are definitely a no. But that Mike encouraged us to do and be something different so that we could experience something afresh. If we hear him and then just go, sometimes physically, we have to be here. I'm there for a reason. But when we don't have to be there for a reason, sometimes the tradition is not a tradition, it's a rut. Now, of course, if you're getting a little bit upset about having to move, or what I just said, Mike Rothwell was the man who said it last week. <laughs> Former Q. But in this community of faith, we never want to be a people who hear the word and it doesn't touch or change us. And that little physical demonstration maybe will help us today. The message that I am on today is about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And in some ways, it's, it's difficult and challenging. Uh, because over the last six months we have been focusing upon the Holy Spirit and, and the dynamic of the Holy Spirit that we can experience. Not talking about the Holy Spirit as a gift giver or as the one who gives much fruit. We've got great teaching online. Go to the community church online on YouTube and you can find loads of teaching on the gifts and the fruit. But early in the year, Jeff kicked us off with a, a, a message where whenever it's been possible, because there's been Easter's and Father's and Mother's Days, we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and, and wanting to know what we need to do and be to experience this dynamic, vibrant life and relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I, this last 10 days, but in particular this last week, have been sat listening to everybody's messages. Because my task today is to be a bookend. Don't worry about it. Uh, I've been called worse. I'm, I'm kind of, Jeff started and, and, and I'm here to try to give us a little summary to remind and refresh us of some of the things and the key points that we've heard. We're going to have a, an opportunity to hear some of those things that may be for the first time you've done it. And uh, you've heard them. And we're going to have an opportunity to reflect on how are we doing embracing some of these words? How are we doing in responding to them? Or maybe we've just parked them 
not done anything with them, you know that's not really acceptable. It's not going to be the best thing for you. I have time at the end, I hope, to be able for us all to draw close to the Holy Spirit. So we're going to remind and refresh, we're going to reflect and think, and we're also going to press in. Now, the good news is if you are a guest or you're pretty new into the church, you're going to get a condensed summary of six months' teaching, and you might think, oh, fantastic, I don't have to go and listen to all the YouTube stuff. That's a problem, you see. We want the executive summary. And the executive summary sometimes does not help. And for those who have spoken and poured their faith in their life, I apologize for the pictures, and I apologize maybe if I haven't picked up the thing that you wanted to. It's coming up to holiday season, isn't it? Facebook keeps sending me pictures of holidays that I had nine years ago, five years ago. James and Sharon come and remind me that I've not been on a plane since uh, the year before COVID. Uh, That's okay. I'm glad you had a good holiday, but I told you, pasty white before you come back into the church congregation. You are too brown, okay? But um, this picture came up on my Facebook feed. This is Mike and Liz Sutton-Smith, our dear friends, uh, friends of yours. Uh, He leads the LifePoint Church in Swansea, and you can tell where we are. Um, we got this mini break. We went for three days to Rome. They went for three days. We had a day without them. They had a day without us. And we had this crossover time. And we went to Rome. And when we go on holiday, my suit is amazing. She plans. She prepares. The spare bedroom has the case. It has everything like this. She is fantastic. What a helpmate I married. Absolutely fantastic. When she also loves part of the holiday is planning and preparing and, and, and getting to uh, guides and booking tickets for the various things that you might be able to go to. And so it's really, really wonderful for me because I can just go into brain neutral and just enjoy. And um, the one thing I wanted to see, though, was the Colosseum. It was a, a magnificent, a magnificent building. I wanted to see it for a few reasons. I know the history of it is a bit dark in some ways, and, um, but at the same time, it's an amazing amphitheater, and we all know that building, don't we? Um, the crowds are huge, the building was impressive, and, and we got to go with a special guide, and this guide was amazing. She gave us all these little headsets, which were a bit weird, but it meant that we could hear her wherever we were. And uh, she walked fast, she talked fast. She was a lovely, lovely lady. Her English was amazing. And uh, we were taken away from the main crowds in front of the Colosseum. And she had access to a different area. And as she opened the gates, we left the crowds. And we found ourselves being given a history and touching stones that fewer people had touched over the the years. And and we were taken down... We were taking down corridors that the gladiators had walked down and touched and rested on, waiting to go to their fate or to their glory. And uh, we were shown a a poor picture, but this was a recreation of the, the elevator that most people can't get to see, but our guide showed us. And that was where not only the gladiators, but the wild animals that had been stored underneath the floor were ushered into so they could be taken up to fight the gladiators and to uh, kill and attack the criminals who were there. Of course, we know that some of those criminals weren't criminals. They were believers. They, uh, we, this was the corridor that ran underneath from the Colosseum towards, towards... It was a secret corridor because the gladiators in those days, they were the, the heroes. They were the film stars. They would get swamped if they went uh, on, on their way to and from. Well, of course, some only went to and never went from. And uh, this was the corridor that moved from, from where that lift area was, where they would ascend onto the Colosseum floor. And, uh, we, we kind of rested on it and thought, God, what must that have been like? And, and it was just amazing. This guide told us stories, told us history. And, and, and she's there, actually, on the left, Sorry, that the, 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 it's a jaunty angle because I felt really embarrassed about taking a picture of her. <laughs> so it was a secret picture of this amazing guide who was just alongside us, walking with us, pointing to stones and structures. She not only did that once we were... That's Mike Sunsmith, by the way. 
he, he was interested. He had his hands in pockets, but she's kind of talking away and we're listening. And then suddenly she, she took us away from the main floor. And, and she, she walked fast, she talked fast, she was knowledgeable. She guided us through to a different area of the auditorium. And, and she opened this gate and suddenly we ascended above where the main crowds were. And, and as, as, as we ascended, we got higher and higher and higher to this point as we were looking down. You can't see in the picture, but there are, there are tiers of people below us. And only a select few who had the guide were able to be there. We felt that. This is great. I mean, to be fair, I hadn't asked Sue how many euros it costs to have the guide and to get there. There was a price to be paid to have the guide. But from there, you could turn and you could see the city. And, and it was just an amazing experience and worth every euro. And I thought to myself as the memory of these pictures came back, wouldn't it be fantastic? Wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful if, if we could have somebody come alongside us in our life to guide us, to inspire, to instruct, to educate, who had knowledge and wisdom and understanding, wouldn't it be absolutely fantastic if they could reveal to us Jesus Christ? Oh, hang on a minute. We've just been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last six months. Or maybe a little bit less. He is uh, the person who comes alongside us. Jesus called him, that Greek word, the paraclete. The one who comes alongside, who is a helper. Parakletos in Greek means someone who is called to come alongside someone else. But of course, the English that we have is rubbish, isn't it? It, it just doesn't do enough justice. And, and there is no one word that adequately describes. In fact, when we come to the Holy Spirit, some, some of us, I know how ignorant I was, some people still say, but Jeff described it perfectly. He said, there are three types of people. He launched us off with this. Three types of people when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The misinformed, the uninformed. The, the misinformed, the uninformed, and the well-informed. And we hope that over these months, you've been able to move at least towards the well-informed. We hope that every single member of our church community would understand this, that the Holy Spirit is not a thing, he's not a force, he's not a power, he's not somebody that, oh, my gut was saying to me, I should have got up there. That was the Holy Spirit, by the way, this morning, as you were thinking whether or not you should get up to share something. It wasn't your furtive imagination because you had an exotic breakfast or supper. It wasn't a gut feeling. It's the Holy Spirit is the person and although there's imagery that we know the Holy Spirit uses in terms of fire and water and oil, and there's the dove, isn't there, and there's the wind, all those are, are, are images for, to help us connect with the Holy Spirit, but he's a part of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, a person who we should know. The Holy Spirit's the witness, the advocate, is the guide, the counselor, the seal and deposit of our faith, the comforter, the spirit of truth. He's the helper and the giver of gifts. He's the intercessor. He is the one who's the spirit of life. He's the leader, the teacher, and he's the indweller of believers. The Holy Spirit is God. And we need to be somebody, a person who presses in and knows him. There's our friend, Dave Lyon. He came and he shared with us about our relationship with the Holy Spirit is more than just, though, having a bit of head knowledge, being well-informed. We are not to have an intellectual Christianity where we've got it all boxed off. We've got the theology right. We know about him, but we don't really know of him. Our relationship is not based with the Holy Spirit upon getting gifts. Nor is it about... Um, having the fruit of the Spirit. Because really, what happens? If you know the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit. The apple tree in the garden that you see does not go, I must bear fruit, I must bear fruit. It just bears fruit because it's an apple tree. And the closer and the more intimate you are with the Holy Spirit, the more you will know love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, understanding. And in fact, when those things are not evident in my life, guess what I think about myself? I need to get time with the Holy Spirit a bit more. I've been away. I haven't been talking. I haven't been connecting. I haven't been intimate. David Lyon said the greatest invitation 
we all have is to enjoy a fantastic, thrilling, exciting partnership, relationship with the Holy Spirit. That is life transforming. That is what it should be like. And now we who are listening today, sorry it's not filled with laughter, but it's worth asking if that's not our relationship with the Holy Spirit, maybe there's a little bit of adjustment. David came and David shared with us the truth that in this relationship we must be those just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. The life of holiness for many can be seen as boring and dull, doesn't it? Legalistic. Holiness isn't really a word that we really would like to have as a little badge. Jesus, though, he came and he went to parties. When he went to a party, he pitched up with the best wine. He hung around tax collectors, and what the religious people of the day thought were pretty much the scum of the earth, the lowlifes. And yet, even though Jesus was with all of those people, never once was his character or the content of his life or his behavior compromised. Never once. He was the perfect personification of holiness, and yet he was the same one who came and said, I came that you might have an amazing life. So the lie that comes into our head, or that other people speak, saying that, oh, that holiness thing is not really for you. It was for Jesus, so why wouldn't it be for you and me? In that same way, when he calls you to be holy, and holiness, we'll mention it again, is about being set apart, David challenges us with this. David Rayner said, we are to be God's alternative society. That's who we are. We are not to be squeezed into the mold of the world. We are to stand out. We're not talking, are we, about being um, high and mighty and holier than thou attitude. But there's a clear difference between us at work. When the rest are bitching, sorry if you don't like that word, but that's what they're doing. When they bitch and when they moan and when they backstab, You don't get involved in that. You're different. When they're bad-mouthing people, why would you get involved? When they're taking something that they shouldn't do because it belongs to your employer. They do, you don't. Now, you don't necessarily have a big flag saying, I'm being really holy here. No, you're just being Christ-like. You're living a life of the Holy Spirit. Remember, um, David, David talked about a rather traumatic experience which I can't shake out of my head. I, I feel sorry for him, but the famous phrase that Jeff and I and Mike and Harry often used towards each other was when we heard about the flat tire story, I thought, could have been worse. Could have been me. <laughs> sorry, David, no sympathy for you. Bit top gearish. we would just kind of drive off. No, we would help you. And as he went through a bad time, he, he said those words to God, didn't he? Um, what, just trying to, you know when you go through some pretty rubbishy stuff, you try to say, well, what, what can I learn from that? And David turned around and felt that God said to him, don't let your RAC membership lapse. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> but on a more serious note, he said this. He felt that God, in relation to the flat tire, say this. God clearly said, my church will not advance unless they are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is as simple as that. We're called to be a counterculture, and, and, and you and I, we can think that we don't make much difference, but we do. Every part of us matters. Every part of us, individually, but corporately together. So when we decide that we're not gonna be those who respond, when we decide that we're not gonna be that close to the Holy Spirit, maybe it's just like getting a little slow puncher. You're just adding something in which is taking something out. And all of us just need to be those who honestly just say, where am I with that? God is not here with a a, a hammer to smash us. He is the God of all encouragement. You say, there is something so much deeper, so much better for each and every one of us. The truth is this. In every situation you and I face, we must always remember, we are the salt of the earth. We are are the light of the world. We are his chosen people. We are his, it says, royal, a royal P is probably not the thing that should be up there. <laughs> but we are royal priesthood. We're his special possession. 
both individually and corporately, our lives make a difference in this world, even though the enemy would say, oh, Val, you just live in the backwaters of Omskirt. Your life doesn't matter much. You can't make much difference. It's just a lie from the pit, isn't it? It's a lie from the enemy. God thinks differently about us. Our destiny and our birthright is something that we should be that holy people. We should carry God's divine spirit DNA in all of our lives. Isn't that right? If you know Jesus in this room, you carry that same power that rose Christ from the grave. You're a different person. You're not one of the, the, the world. You're his people. You're his treasured possession. He wants us to be a people, as John, John Sutton Smith reminds us, who live this amazing life, but that we also have this privilege and responsibility. Too many people are chasing a life centered around what their boss feels, what their parents feel, what their kids, what their friends, what their peers feel. They're chasing a life, the Instagram lifestyle, which is just not true. As some people in the church family, you're great at taking Instagram pictures. Some of them are true. I saw a fantastic picture from James and Jesse's back garden. You've done an amazing job. Get rid of that kid's play frame. And <laughs> Sorry, kids. That's it. Elijah was hoping for a little mini football pitch, but instead, you've got a nice little plot. That's a real picture of real life that you've done. You didn't fabricate it and just haul in the, 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 the bits and pieces for, for one photo, and then it goes off. That's real life. We should be those people who have this kingdom life, who are ambassadors for him, and we should be living our life with this, that we can live and God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. We live with an audience of one, really. We live for an audience of one. And when we start doing that, do you know what? It suddenly takes a lot of pressure away from what the mother-in-law, from what that snidey worker at work thinks about you. The only issue is, am I conflicted in any way, the way I'm living, speaking, and acting, where Jesus wouldn't be absolutely proud and that the Holy Spirit wouldn't feel comfortable with me with every step that I take. <clears throat> if the whole holiness thing seemed difficult, there's a couple of things that came that were very practical to us. Remember living life with holy fingertips? What was that about? Anybody remember? These devices, the TV, the computer. I'm told actually that Gen Z think this is appalling. Any person who taps with their finger, apparently you're wasted. It's all about the thumbs. Anybody who does the finger, you've had it. And whatever you do, apparently, this article I read last week says, don't put a thumbs up. So actually, I found a few people who were in that age group, and, and I deliberately sent loads of thumbs up. They'd done something good, so I just went, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. There was about 40 thumbs up. I loved it. I'm sorry. Malcolm. Remember the picture? God wants us to be a people. Malcolm, you, if, I don't know if you can see that picture up there. Can you? It's, um, Malcolm was talking about this. Chains being broken in our lives. And if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Jesus Christ came that you and I could know freedom. Jesus Christ came that we might not be ones still trapped and bound in sin, but we were free in our thoughts, in our deeds, in our words, the habits that pulled us down, that distanced us from God. What is not of faith is sin. And we are free from that when we come to Jesus because the Son sets us free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. When we come into this place, when we come to connect group, when we go to the prayer meeting, when we meet up with friends for coffee, the presence of God is there. And that's why in many of our lives, the enemy will say, you're too bad, you're not good enough, you haven't been around a while, they don't miss you, they don't really care. In actual fact, the way you live, what you do, did you see what you watched? Did you see what you clicked on? You shouldn't even go. You're not worthy. In fact, do you know that God does not listen to your prayer, Andy Gibbs? <laughs> it's, of course, it's a lie, isn't it? I mean, Andy, Andy, said, Andy just said, don't tell me that. 
It's important to know that all of that is a lie. It's a lie of the enemy to try to distance you from having that intimate, close, personal relationship with the Lord. Knowing the Holy Spirit with you in every moment, during every waking, when you're in there in the middle of the night and that thing comes in to oppress you and and, and to, to attack you and make you think and get anxious and want to get up out of bed to walk around the room or throw something at somebody or somebody, not at Jane, but... (laughs) <laughs> he says this via the camera in his house. Listen, all of us, we need to understand that when we're feeling vulnerable, when we're hurting, when we've maybe done something wrong and we're distant from God, the enemy wants to separate us from his tribe. And the very thing you need to do is to get with God's people, not distance yourself, to get with the Holy Spirit in an intimate moment, in a personal moment, in a close moment. The thing is, we've got a part to play. All of this living a holy life doesn't just happen. We've got God's DNA, but there's our choices. Galatians 5 and 1 says, It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore. Stand firm, therefore. And don't submit again. The problem is this, is that we can make bad choices. You know, if you're an alcoholic, the pub should not be your friend. If you're a gambler, you don't take the route to work where there's, there's various... Um, Bookies, you don't get an app on your phone that enables you to, to do whatever it is you do. There's some things we need to do. We just don't stay up into the early hours of the morning where there's only stuff on TV that probably don't say, well, I'm only watching a Netflix series. You'll end up watching and seeing things that you can't remove. We've been told that. These are practical steps that help us. Jesus has come that you and I can live free. But we have a part to play in it. I wonder if we've allowed ourselves just to step back into areas where maybe we should have stayed away. We love Roger and Dan Aubrey. We love them because they just bring life and smiles. I, I, he is one of the most happy, smiling people I know. And Is he about 70? 75? I can't say that. You better not go out online if I just said it. (laughs) 62, Graham says, well done. Graham Burke said that, so it was good if you ever did watch this, Roger. Here's the thing. Each of us, he came and reminded us about this life we're talking, about the Holy Spirit. He said, each of us has this holy power of God in our lives. When we realize that we are not just human beings walking around, biding a bit of time until we go to the sweet by and by. When you realize you have got the spirit of every day that you have, however many days we have left, we have a holy power of God in our lives. It changes how we view the impact that we can make on the world. For the kingdom of God is about what? The kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, joy, this holy power coursing through our veins. And sometimes we don't feel like it because we're in challenge and difficulty. But nevertheless, that's our inheritance. That's the bank that we've got. Righteousness, living right, doing doing what God wants. Joy and happiness, not this inane smile, but a joy, deep-seated joy that God brings into your life. When you know Jesus, it's fantastic. The good news is this, whether you're 8 or 80, You can experience this dynamic, powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. It is not about age or experience, is it? It's about hunger and appetite. Every single one of us. And maybe we just need to, again, pause and just say, how is your hunger and appetite for God? Is it as much as it was yesterday? Or last month or last year? Or do we look back and think, oh, in that phase of my life, I was really close to him. The thing is, holiness and righteousness and Jesus and power and signs and wonders may be a bit distant from our life. And we need to know this, that here's something we can all do. Jesus went about, Roger told us, doing good. That was part of his holy power in his life. He went about doing good. And the question, two words, just can you? Can you go about doing good? Have a little look at somebody nearby you. Turn around and say, can you go about doing good? Just ask them. Can you? Just let it speak out. 
Can you go about doing good? Can you? Can you? Is there anybody in the room that thinks that they could actually go out of here and do some good this week? Now, now I don't want you to be embarrassed and say, I'm not going to put my hand up. I'm not going to put my hand up because that's what he wants to do. Keep your hand up. It's okay. I'm just going to say this. If you even think that in meetings, get a grip. I know that's not so soft and gentle and sweet and mushy. Get a grip. Grow up. You know what? It helps you. That's why you're encouraged to do it. Every single one of you knows this. You can go and do some good this week. And if you can do it once, guess what? If you can do it once, you can do it again. You can do it many times. It's not tiring. It's exhilarating. And what it does is this. It unlocks the power of God that is in here out into your world. You might not think that you're going to lay hands on the sick and raise the dead and, well, who knows? I'd love that to happen. But I know I can go about doing some good. Making a difference in somebody's life that expresses the love of Jesus. You could be that person and you don't have to be old. You don't have to have lots of money. You don't have to have a car or a home or a house. You have you and the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Roger encouraged us with something very practical in living this holy life. Just close your eyes for one moment. Just tune into the Holy Spirit. Just allow him to place somebody, face a name into your life. Sometimes it only takes a millisecond. Somebody straight away has come in family member, friend, colleague, teacher, that cashier, the hairdresser. Okay. Open your eyes. You think you could do something good for that person this week? And something good could be as simple as this. Sending a little text saying, I was just thinking about you. You came to my mind, and I just wanted you to know, what a great blessing you are. Hope you have an absolutely fantastic week. Would anybody in this room feel encouraged if somebody randomly, probably there's a connection, sent you a message? Would you feel, would you feel, who do they think they are, sending me a message like that? You think you could go in the workplace this week and you could make the cup of tea for somebody else rather than you? They might think, what's got, what's got into him? <laughs> Didn't even know that the kettle was there. Do something which surprises the people around you and just unleash the goodness of God. Harry said something as he was, had a couple of weeks and he was talking about the temple of the Lord, but he said something, and this phrase is there, there's something about intensity and closeness with God and these last few from... Sue and with Ali are going to talk about how we, how we really connect. There's something about intensity and closeness with God that transforms our lives. He spoke about Moses going up on the mountain, coming down and radiating. He be, Moses is God's spokesperson, is his ambassador, and we're called to be ambassadors of Jesus wherever we go. I'm really happy being a Christian. Would you like to know Jesus as well? No, thank you. You're so miserable. If Jesus is your friend, I wouldn't want to meet him. Again, it's not that we go around with inane smiles on our faces. But for us to know that closeness to Jesus, there are some guidelines that we all need to follow. It is a life in the Spirit that is not under. We all sign, don't we, when we, when we buy stuff or we log on, agree to their terms and conditions. Somebody else's terms and conditions. In this spirit-filled life that we have got, this adventure of faith that we're living, it's his terms and conditions that we apply to, not my own little personal. Could I have a personal plan just adapted? Not like a restaurant where we go in, don't really like courgettes. Do you think you could put a few peas on there? I'd like my meat or medium well done. Could you substitute the mushrooms for a bit of black pudding? I don't even believe that. I'd never do that. We approach God in our spirit-filled life 
don't particularly like that little bit, God. Don't particularly like that bit, so could I substitute that? Or maybe we'll just park that little bit. It's his terms, his conditions. And when we get it wrong, we end up being in situations like us in the Old Testament, who knew what he should do. He didn't do it. He didn't follow instructions. He should have followed the prescribed way. And sadly, he perished because he behaved the wrong way. I'm not saying God's going to strike us dead, but in the New Testament, nobody would have thought that one day, Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the Holy Spirit, were going to come back, lie to the disciples, and Peter was going to say, your life is going to be required of you. Your husband's already gone. You're dead. We think, whoa, I mean, no wonder the church were a little bit in awe and stood back and considered how they were living their life. It's his terms, it's his conditions. Fear of the Lord is not cowering, it's honoring and esteeming and valuing. And there's a dynamic which we all must have, and that is this, that there's got to be this thing called obedience, which Ali so well opened up. And here is a thing that, again, these phrases just stuck with me. That's why I'm recalling them from our journey over these last months. In our lives, the first priority, if Jesus is Lord, is to him. In our lives, the first priority in your life is to him. You know, if you can resolve this issue in your life, if you can resolve it, guess what? It's going to save, save you a whole host of issues. It's going to save you when there's a dilemma, when there's a personal preference, when there's a peer pressure comes in. My first priority is to him. His word, his will, your kingdom come, your will be done. I establish something which is going to eliminate a lot of the things that I could get into, make choices, speak and act and behave in a way that doesn't honor God. If he is our first priority. Jesus in his word top every situation. I've established this. Everything else has to come in line with that. And if it doesn't, I have no part of it. Ali highlighted the truth that all of us must be aware of that scripture, that man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And yet we can, we can be motivated and moved by, by the words that our, our co-workers say, our peers, our family. I've been talking with a number of families just recently and, and how much sway and negativity they encountered from mother-in-laws and family. And, and feeling that pressure, if he is Lord and he is the first priority, it resolves a great deal, and we won't have to go through it. We need to choose that our source is coming from him. The good news is the Old, the Old Testament people didn't, didn't do bad, did they? Not all the time, anyway. And that was the great verse. And the people said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. How much? All, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. Huh. You wish they kept it up. But obedience is something that you and I need to do. Otherwise, we end up in situations like King Saul did, where he was given instructions, he didn't follow them, he thought he knew better, and Samuel comes along and says to him, and in a way echoes to us in our lives this, he said it's better to obey than to sacrifice. He should have obeyed, and as a result, the kingdom was wrenched off him. And he was going to end up dying on a battlefield somewhere. You know, we need to be those who trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And whenever there's a moment where you need to obey the word, which comes against what's going on, your feelings, your emotions, you're battling with it, you think you can't do it, and yet God's word says, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And yet you still think, I just can't do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And there's this battle going on. And the enemy comes all the time and he whispers, or for me, I don't know if he whispers, but he shouts at me. says, you can't. You are going to fail. I'm bad. And you know what? When you fall, you fall further than anybody else because you're so tall. That's how bad your fall's going to be. Right, that might not happen to you and it might be my overactive imagination. But I know this. 
Ali came up with a great phrase that's helped me and it'll help you. God never asks us to do something that we can't do. Okay, let's just stand up a moment, stretch your legs. We've got a few minutes more. We're just going to say these words together. If you're a Christian in the house, just like you to declare it, make it personal. God never asks me to do something I can't do. Okay, so you can, you can, you can point to yourself here. Ready? God never asked me to do something I can't do. Uh, we're going to say it with a little bit more conviction now, because of course, our mind suddenly fills with the things that we think that we can't do. Now, don't ask me to come and do any DIY in your house or look after your pets. I can't do it. Now you think, oh yes, you can, Dave. No. There are some lines in life. That's not what we're talking about here. You can eat those sprouts. No, I can't. Are you ready? There's some things the enemy wants to say. Ah, oh, it's just not true. It's true. It's true because Ali told me. And I trust you, Ali. Are you ready? God never asked me to do something that I can't do. Say it again. God never asked me to do something that I can't do. Please take your seats. This is the thing as we draw to our close that Sue was sharing about this need for there's holiness, there's obedience, and then there's this intimacy, there's a closeness that, that, that we need in our lives. And, and Sue shared that, that, that she wasn't talking big theology. What she was talking about was, was, was a life that's practical that can help us to, to step into something that's deeper, more connected, more personal, more, more intimate than we've ever experienced before. That in actual fact, if we want to live our best life, we need to encounter the Holy Spirit in a deep and personal way, holding nothing back from him. I wonder if we've got an, a, a, a no entry here, God. This was too painful in my life. I'm going to carry it. I'm, I, I tried to bury it. And God says, I just don't want you to go through life, my son, with that. I don't want you to go through with that pain. I want to come and be... The Holy Spirit says, you healer. No, you just don't get area. Or we can make the choice that we're going to say, we're going to access all areas, God. He doesn't overwhelm us because he's the spirit, he's the counselor, he knows what to do. He doesn't suddenly drag up everything. Just as we walk through life, showing God's goodness, living in that holy power, something happens, a reaction, a thought, a behavior, and the Holy Spirit comes. He just says, is that, the best, what, is that the best thing to say there? Did you need to scowl so much when you looked at Betty? Like Betty's my mother-in-law. And in my head I start thinking, I'm here doing a job. I don't need you telling me right now. Just give me a bit of space. Let me get out of this conversation and then correct me. Don't correct me while I'm with her. No, I think, Dave, I'm going to stay, he says. I think probably you should just apologize. I don't want you in this conversation in this part. You know that access all areas? Not today. Yeah? Like the National Trust, we're shut today. And I'm there in this conversation. I'm there battling but I'm there wanting to know. Why do I even bother fighting? I know. I hear your voice. I've got to change. I've got to do something different. We need to hold nothing back from him. Matthew Ling very much said this, that the Holy Spirit wants to be first name basis with you and me. First name basis. Has, have any of you been in a restaurant where you've returned and the waiter has said, oh, hello, Dave. Well, that's a bit funny because my name's Brian. <laughs> no, he's... You know when you walk into a, a building or a family or a, a meeting and somebody comes up and says, oh, Gene, it's lovely to see you again. How are you doing? You haven't seen the person for ages. Do you know how important our welcome team are in this church? Yeah. I can forget a name five seconds, three seconds after somebody's told me. Literally. Can you? But do you know the difference that it makes us feel when we know, we're known by name? 
It's not just a, 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 a it's not just a, a trick. It's a truth. It's a beautiful thing. And the Holy Spirit wants to be on a first name basis with you and me. Oh yes, well he knows of me. Yeah, you're on a list. You're in the book of life. He wants to know you. He wants to know you. He wants to be close and intimate and personal. And linked with that, there was a there was something Mike said last week. Oh, oh sorry. Let me just round. I missed the point. There's three things to go. We can never make presumption. The Holy Spirit's first name, Matthew said, was holy. If we think that we can just behave the way we want, if we think we can do what we want, go our own way, establish our rules, you know, it's just not right, is it, Mel? It's, it's not our rules. And rules seems heavy. It's just that we establish rules in our families for safety. We don't let the child go running out down the main road. We don't let them go and stand this close to the fire. It's not rules to rob you of life. It says, that's not going to bless you. This is not what you're going to do. The Holy Spirit's first name is holy. And if we do not realize that, we don't live like that, then we're going to make some presumptions. That does not mean that you can't be close up, intimate, and personal. Remember John leaning his head on Jesus' chest as they were around the table. I just wonder if we're really doing that. Oh, that didn't work, did it? But it doesn't matter, Mike, because I've got it written here. Mike shared this just about how God knows our name and we're his sheep. And the sheep hear his voice and respond to him. This is in John 10, verse 3 and 4. Here's the question that you can see. But Mike said, whose voice are you listening to the most? Maybe we just need to make some adjustments in these days. Maybe the voices from inside our own head and, and pressuring us from outside, maybe we just need to adjust. Is it possible that we as people could fine-tune and just say, the first voice, the predominant voice, is going to be the Holy Spirit's? After all, who wouldn't want to have this life today as we close? Who wouldn't want more of the Holy Spirit who, and I read, this, I read this phrase, I kind of got up and walked around the room and read it a number of times. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to have to look down. I tried to learn it by heart, but I wasn't that good. And this was just a phrase about the dynamic, powerful relationship and life that you can have. The Holy Spirit lives in you to teach you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to lead and convict you. He will give you power. Dunamis power. Remind you of Jesus' words and pray for you and through you. He bears fruit through you. Yes, you, Lee. Lee, he bears fruit through you. He's your teacher. He's your rewarder. He's your encourager. He seals you in God with Christ. He guarantees your salvation and bears witness about Jesus. He gives utterances in tongues and he gives life to your physical body. He knows God's thoughts about you and shares them with you. He bears witness with your spirit that you are God's child. He washes you, sanctifies you, justifies you. He makes you a minister of the new covenant, searches you, blesses you. He is your friend. He is your counselor. He is called alongside to you in every situation. And it is better that he is here than Jesus. Wow. The Holy Spirit is God's very life source for you, Lydia. Would you want anything else? Would you want anything less? Would you? Is it possible that our lives need to redial in so that this close, personal, dynamic relationship we can have with Jesus? There's a point that you're walking down the road and David sees a Pepsi-Cola uh, advert, I believe it was, and it asked a question, or it suggested something. And it was this. Thirsty for more? Is that right? Is David still here? Was it, was it Pepsi-Cola? You said, thirsty for more. And I just put in, are you? Ask yourself a question. Are you thirsty for more? Are you? Or has maybe it gone down a bit? Don't beat yourself up. But I know that today can be a different day. 
I know that this pathway and this journey we've been on months requires three key things. And that is, if you want a dynamic life in the Spirit, you're going to have to tread that pathway of holiness, where you're separate, where, where they, this is something not based on your ability, but based on the power of God and His holiness and attributes living in your life. There's a pathway you're going to have to choose, and sometimes it'll feel difficult, but you just need to know that Jesus is Lord and that he's the first port of call in your life. The pathway will involve obedience, obedience which comes against your personal preference, against society, against culture. And this pathway, if you want a dynamic life in the Spirit, it's going to involve you and I finding moments where there's intimacy, closeness, a deeper time, where we step aside and just say, the, the world and its racing speed and hurry can just pause because there's something more important. And if there's still questions in your mind, there's three words that Diana Aubrey brought. If there's any doubt, receive the encouragement from her. Just say yes to God. And that was rooted from a lady who has walked for decades, making difficult choices at times, and just knowing the power of God. Let's just stand up together, shall we? If there's anything in that area of holiness or where you know that you've been disobeying God or you've been distant from God, just take a moment as you just stood in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we just need to say, I'm sorry, God, and I'm turning to you afresh. We've wanted to help you to understand more of the person of the Holy Spirit. We've wanted for each of us, each of us in the church family, just to go deeper, closer, further than ever before. It's our heart's desire, but it's your choice. And you're the only one who can make it. Father, as we stand in your presence, we come again. And we tell you we're thirsty, we're hungry. I'm thirsty, I'm hungry. I know you more. And might indeed it be, your kingdom come, your will be done.